who will replace Gabe Kapler as the next manager of the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to another edition of the Kerry Crowley Show, whether you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Really want to thank you for listening today. Friday, October 6th, as we kick things off, we got a big episode. I want to look at a number of different factors related to the San Francisco Giants manager search today. Really starting with, is the Giants job a good job across Major League Baseball right now? How does this opening compare to, say, the New York Mets opening, the Cleveland Guardians opening, the job to go replace Phil Nevin down in Anaheim with the Angels? Then I want to look at the characteristics and qualities that the Giants need from their next manager. Take a look at internal candidates who Farhan Zaidi is likely to interview and who the Giants should be looking at internally, and then external candidates that the Giants could look at from the outside to bring in. Ultimately, I'll get to this later on in the show. I do think that the Giants are more likely to go with an external candidate than an internal candidate, and there's a number of different factors in why I think that's the case. But the bottom line is, I think the Giants are in a position. Greg Johnson, the chairman, Larry Bear, the CEO, Farhan Zaidi, the president of baseball operations, where their backs are against the wall. They know that by and large, fan sentiment around that trio is not good right now. There are a lot of people very, very frustrated, and rightfully so with the state of the Giants organization and what they've heard from the highest levels of the Giants organization. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about how I felt as if Greg Johnson spoke too soon when the Giants were in the midst of a playoff race and he said that 2024, Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi would both be returning in their posts. And there were still still two weeks to go in the regular season when he told that to Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle, and it just didn't add up to me. I don't get why you make that kind of a comment when there's still so many ways that things can go south. There's still so many things that you need to evaluate with your leadership in the midst of a playoff race. And ultimately, Greg Johnson clearly did speak too soon. He went back on his word, firing Gabe Kapler. Farhan Zaidi says that he's the one to fire Gabe Kapler, but in all likelihood, that is a decision that's made at the highest levels of the organization. Farhan brought in Gabe as his handpicked manager, and I think that if it were up to him, this manager search probably wouldn't be going on right now unless something dramatic happened in the final two or three weeks of the regular season to really split them apart. Maybe that is the case. We don't know yet, and maybe one day we will find out, but I think the bottom line is this. There are a lot of people who, if the Giants were going to make changes this offseason, they wanted to see widespread changes. They wanted to see a new decision maker at the top level of the organization in a baseball ops position. They wanted to see Farhan Zaidi replaced. They wanted to see that replacement ultimately get to pick the next manager of the San Francisco Giants. And this puts the Giants in a really awkward situation because Gabe Kapler gets fired. Farhan Zaidi is going into the final year of his contract as the Giants president of baseball operations. He's not going to get extended right now. And now he's got to go out and execute a manager search. And the best candidates on the market, the people who are most likely to succeed in a managerial role, in my opinion, are people who deserve the job security of a two, three, potentially a four-year contract. And will the Giants be able to go out and get that type of person to come in and lead the organization knowing that the president of baseball operations only has one year left on his contract and knowing that if things go south, Farhan Zaidi will not be making decisions moving forward, knowing that people who are in those positions like to handpick their managers, which puts the Giants at a disadvantage. I, I just think that they put themselves 
into this corner that they didn't necessarily need to be in. You could have either kept Gabe Kapler for one more season, recognizing that the Giants' failures, by and large this season, were results of failures at the highest levels of the organization. The Giants didn't spend enough to put together a roster that was talented enough to beat the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks out for a postseason spot, even though the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Padres all missed out on the playoffs this season, which really should have opened up the pathway for the Giants to make the postseason. And a lot of that not just is on ownership, it's on the front office. When your big free agent signings are Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto, Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya, and Taylor Rogers, and for the most part, those guys do not live up to their billing, do not live up to expectations, that is on the front office. And so the Giants can make the change at manager. I've talked about this before, and I'm sure I will talk about it again this offseason. They can say that Gabe Kapler was not the right person to lead this group, but when you have a roster full of platoon players, full of middle to back end of the rotation pitchers, which is what the Giants signed in Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling, and when you put together a group that just isn't built for 162 games, like the Giants, in my opinion, weren't, then you're kind of expecting to finish at or around 500. And the Giants ultimately went, what, 79 games this season? The final number does not matter because they don't finish over 500. They're out of the playoff race uh, for all intents and purposes with a week to go. And so they make this change, the manager job. But I talked about this with Roger Munter on my last episode, and I've talked about this throughout a wide variety of episodes since we started off the Kerry Crowley show. If the only change the Giants are going to make this offseason is the manager job, that is a bad sign for the organization moving forward. They need different perspectives in the front office. And Roger and I talked about this. If you're not going to change Farhan, if you're not going to change your present baseball operations, then Farhan needs to hire people from the outside to be advisors, to give him different perspectives in the front office. He needs to hire a manager who's not going to be in sync with his every idea. Because clearly, the ideas that have ruled inside the Giants organization for the last five seasons are not working right now. And you can say, hey, look, they won 107 games in 2021. There is a possibility that next year things are better if these kids coming through the farm system, if Kyle Harrison, if Marco Luciano live up to expectations and live up to their prospect billing and become the stars that we think that they can be. Maybe the Giants are on the right track, but I still think the Giants have not done enough to connect with their longtime fans. And each and every day, especially after the postseason press conference that Farhan Zaidi gave in the dugout, I feel as if the organization is out of touch with where its fans currently are right now. I think there's a lot that needs to be done for the Giants to win back this fan base, for the Giants to you know, generate season ticket sales, for the Giants to fill Oracle Park on a consistent basis. And I don't think that even if the Giants are good in 2024, that they'll be all the way back. That let's say they put together a roster that wins 90 to 95 games and they make the postseason. I don't think that it's just a one-year fix. I think that there need to be long-term changes that Giants fans see as sustainable and Giants fans see as, hey, this is the direction of the organization now, and it's a different direction than they've been going for the last four to five seasons. That will ultimately be what wins Giants fans over. And so I bring all of that up to provide the proper context for this Giants manager search, which has begun. And Farhan Zaidi saying earlier this week at his press conference that the Giants will interview internal candidates this week and then look outside the organization, start external candidate interviews next week. Look, I wonder about the quality of this job right now. And I say that because I brought up the idea that, look, Farhan is entering the final year of his contract and you're likely going to have to find someone who 
is comfortable not having job security, is comfortable knowing that this roster is a work in progress and they're going to have to do a lot of active management of this roster. They're going to have to have a lot of kids who develop at the major league level next season for this organization to find the success that's necessary for Farhan Zaidi to be brought back for 2025. So it just puts them in this awkward position where I don't know that the Giants manager job is as desirable as it could have been if the Giants made a change at the higher levels of the organization. Another thing, I think that if you're looking at the outside, if you're a manager candidate who is outside the organization right now and thinking, hey, I want to be involved in the dugout with a team in the next two to three seasons, you look at where the Giants are right now, and I don't know that this roster is positioned in a way at the very moment. This could change this offseason with free agent signings. Yamamoto, if the Giants go after him from Japan, uh, could really fortify the front end of this rotation. They sign Cody Bellinger. I think that that you know, plugs a hole in the outfield and gives you a real athletic defender up the middle. Maybe there are things that the Giants can do to get better via the trade market. But ultimately, the manager that they bring on right now is just looking at the organization, looking at the track record of Farhan Saidi, and looking at who the Giants already have inside the organization, and listening to promises from the people at the highest level of the organization about what they will do to build this roster moving forward. And so you've got to have a lot of faith and you're going to need to have more faith than I think exists outside of, uh, or more faith than what I think exists inside the Giants fan base right now. Because I think there are a lot of people who are expressing the necessary skepticism that they should right now about where the Giants are at and where this organization is going moving forward. Because I think the one thing we have not heard from ownership, from the front office, from Larry Bear and his end of season letter to Giants fans that was circulating on social media earlier this week, other than this wasn't good enough and we apologize for not living up to our goals, we have not heard enough that the Giants are going to change their ways. We've not heard enough that the Giants feel that they've lost a connection with their fan base. We have not heard an admission that what they've been doing is wrong. We've heard an admission that what they've been doing didn't work, but I think that the admission that what they've been doing is wrong is something that needs to be stated and that they're going to make you know, functional changes to their player acquisition process, functional changes to their in-game management process and how they approach each and every game. Because to me, it still sounds like they're going to piece things together game by game. And Roger and I talked about this earlier this week. You know, when you do that, you might give yourself a better opportunity of winning a game on, say, July 17th or July 18th. But if winning that game on July 17th or July 18th forces you to, in 2024, send Kyle Harrison back to the minor leagues for a 10-day stint instead of helping him build his confidence, instead of helping him grow as a pitcher at the major league level, if you put him on that shuttle from AAA Sacramento to the big leagues and you say, hey, look, it's just going to be one of those years where you're back and forth and we'll use you when we need you. I don't know if that's best for the long-term health of the organization. I don't know if that's best for helping the Giants in August and September. And again, that is all a hypothetical scenario there of just winning the day. And of course, winning is important. We want to see the Giants. Fans want to see the Giants get to 90, 95 wins next year, contend for a playoff spot, be the franchise that has been promised to fans for so long. Really, 2010, 2012, 2014 set the standard for the Giants organization, but since then, the organization has failed to live up to that standard. We're going on a decade since 2014 of the Giants failing to advance past the NLDS, and they've only had two opportunities in the NLDS. So what, nine seasons? You've missed the playoffs in seven of those since 2014, and you haven't advanced 
past the DS in either of those seasons that you did make the playoffs, that's a red flag. And to me, it's a sign that the organization is moving further and further away from what got them those titles in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And I don't think it helps that you see someone like Bruce Bochy. I know that this is just optics right now, but I, I don't think it helps that you see someone like Bruce Bochy having postseason success with the Texas Rangers, a team that spent a ton of money to go out and acquire stars and acquire proven talent like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Nathan Uvalde and the long list of players. The Texas Rangers just went out and said, hey, look, ownership's going to spend. We're going to put together the best roster possible, and maybe we don't win 102, 103 games. Maybe we're good enough to make the postseason. And then when you've got Bruce Bochy, maybe things will work out for you. When you've got Bruce Bochy with talent, maybe things will really work out for you. And all of these words can come back to haunt me. All of this you know, roster-building philosophy that the Rangers showed this offseason, all of it could come back to haunt them in their upcoming series against the Baltimore Orioles, a team that doesn't have nearly the payroll that they do right now. But I'll say this, you like the Rangers' talent. You have to admire the way the Rangers went out and sought to get better in the off seasons. In recent years, that they saw what they had in their farm system, they saw what they had at their major league level, and they said, we need external additions to put ourselves in position to win, to get back to the postseason, and to give ourselves a chance. They made external additions in the field, they made them in the dugout, bringing on Donnie Ecker as a bench coach, bringing on Bruce Bochy as a manager, and now they're reaping the reward. No, they did not win the American League West, but they were able to blow past the Tampa Bay Rays in the wildcard series. And all of this is just a long way of saying you spend, you acquire talent, you put yourself in a better position to do well in the postseason. I look at a team like the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Look, the Phillies didn't have the best regular season of all time. They were far and away the second best team in their own division. The Atlanta Braves were an absolute juggernaut this year. But you better believe that the Atlanta Braves are taking this NLDS seriously because the Phillies have talent. They spent on Bryce Harper. They spent on Nick Castellanos. They grew their homegrown core. They have pitching that they got from the outside. Zach Wheeler, you look at that five-year, $118 million contract. The Phillies and owner John Middleton committed to spending. And no, that did not pay off with a 100-win season. But what it did do is it gave them a high floor. It gave them margin for error. And the Giants organization does not have margin for error. You listen to comments made earlier this week by Mariners, President of Baseball Operations, or Executive Jerry Depoto, how he's trying to build a sustainable winner, how he wants to win 54% of the time or whatever he said. And to me, the philosophy that the Mariners are using where they want to be in the mix, they want to be good, but they don't want to go over the top and you know spend all this money, that's much more like what the San Francisco Giants have looked like the last five, six, seven seasons where, hey, we're just fine you know, being in the mix. We're fine putting together a roster that might win 85 to 92 games. But give me a roster like the Texas Rangers. Give me a roster like the Philadelphia Phillies where, hey, you might win 90 games, but if you get in the postseason, you've got some dudes who can do damage. I don't think if the Mariners were in the postseason, if the Giants were in the postseason, any of us would have believed that these rosters could make it all the way to the World Series. And that's the separator. Look, the Phillies and the Rangers might be wildcard teams, but they have the talent to go all the way. They may not have had the best regular seasons, but they have the talent to go on a run in the playoffs. The Giants and the Mariners were simply putting together rosters that may or may not get into the playoffs. And once they did, those rosters, much like the, what, 99-win Tampa Bay Rays, were not built to succeed in the postseason. Because in the postseason, you need stars, you need dudes, you need guys who can put the team on their back. The Giants, the Mariners, the Tampa Bay Rays, as we just saw, 
haven't had those guys. And so I say all of this to bring us back to the manager search, to bring us back to what the San Francisco Giants are trying to accomplish right now. And that is turn their job into a desirable job. And I look at the New York Mets with owner Steve Cohen, and yes, they took a step back at this year's trade deadline. Yes, they lost talent at this year's deadline. And no, I don't think their roster is better positioned to win now than the San Francisco Giants are in 2024. But I will tell you, if I was a manager deciding between the Giants and the Mets, I'd go to New York. Simple as that. Why? Because ownership is willing to spend. Because ownership has said, at all costs, winning matters to us. I haven't heard that. I have not heard that out of Greg Johnson. I have not heard that out of Larry Bear. I've not heard that out of Farhan Zaidi, the win-at-all-costs mentality that it now takes to win in Major League Baseball. Because there are a lot of teams that say, we want to be sustainably good. Evan Drellich of The Athletic wrote an incredible column earlier this week about the sustainability fetish across Major League Baseball and how you know this money ball brain that has gotten into owners and front office executives, it, it's taken away from the sport. And then you see a team like the San Diego Padres go out and spend a ton of money, go out and acquire stars, go out and take big gambles. Did it work for the Padres? No. But did the Padres sell out a whole lot more games than the San Francisco Giants did this season? Yes. Do people in San Diego believe that their team can be good next year? Believe that their team has the stars requisite to win a World Series sometime soon? The answer is yes. Do people in San Francisco believe that this team currently has the stars to win you a World Series? I think even the most diehard Giants fans would tell you no. I think the most optimistic Giants fans would tell you that no, the Giants do not have the talent to compete at the top of the major leagues. And until that changes, something is just wrong with the organization until they show that win-at-all-costs mentality of acquiring stars, of spending, sometimes maybe recklessly, then I think that people will believe. Then I think that Oracle Park will fill up again. And then I think you'll have that sentiment that was felt widespread throughout Northern California, throughout San Francisco in 2010, 2012, and 2014. The Giants have the talent to get the job done. So again, a long segue into talking about this manager job that the Giants are trying to fill right now. And let's talk about what they need. Because I've said, I don't think this job is nearly as good as the Mets job. I think it's probably better than the Angels job because Artie Moreno is running that organization into a into the ground down there in Anaheim. I think that you, know, you look at the Cleveland Guardians, it's an organization that gets more from less on an annual basis. And you can say, well, you know, succeeding Terry Francona, not easy. It's much like replacing Bruce Bochy in San Francisco. You're coming in after a legend, even though Francona didn't win a title in Cleveland. But the Guardians, generally speaking, do a good job getting the most out of their talent. They play in the American League Central, which is just a terrible division on a year-in, year-out basis. Although, give credit to the Minnesota Twins, who finally won a playoff series. Very happy to see that, breaking the 18-year drought without a playoff win and the 21-year drought, I want to say, without a playoff series win. So good on the Twins for advancing. But again, uh, an easy division right now. Scott Harris, the general manager, president of baseball operations in Detroit, licking his chops, knowing that it doesn't take that much to be good in the AL Central. Uh, the Royals are a mess, uh, even though they've got Bobby Witt Jr. The White Sox are a mess. Jerry Reinsdorf's the owner, so who knows when they'll be good again. But again, the Giants are in the National League West, where the Dodgers are good, the Padres are spending, and the D-backs have a ton of young talent. And so if you're coming into this manager job in San Francisco, it is an uphill climb to compete in the National League West, and it's particularly an uphill climb if the Giants' front office and ownership doesn't change its ways and doesn't see the fault in its ways right now, which is building on the margins of the roster and not building at the core of this roster. So if you're looking 
as an outside candidate at this giant organization right now, and you're coming in to interview, like there's a few things that you need to hear. And that is from ownership, from front office, what is your commitment to winning and winning at the highest level? What is your commitment to building this roster with stars? What is your commitment to getting talent from the outside? Because right now, Marco Luciano could be great. Kyle Harrison could be great. Luis Matos and Patrick Bailey could be all-stars one day. But those are all guesses right now. Those are all projections right now. You need someone who can come in from the outside and be a bona fide all-star in 2024, 2025, 2026. You need someone who can pair with Logan Webb at the top of the rotation. Maybe it's a Yamamoto. You need someone who can hit in the middle of the order. Maybe it's a Bellinger. Maybe it's an Otani. But you need to know, if you're an outside candidate taking the Giants' job, that the Giants are committed to winning in 2024. Because if not, you could be a one-year manager. Because if they fire Farhan Zaidi at the end of next season, if they don't show enough progress, and right now the battle for progress is a significant uphill climb, you could be a one-year manager, and that could ruin your career prospects in Major League Baseball. So if you're looking at this job, you need to take a serious calculation. That's why I say, look, there are only 30 jobs. There will be good candidates available, but I don't know if this job is as desirable as many of us thought it might be if the Giants moved on from Gabe Kapler. So what do the qualities the Giants need to have in their next manager? I think this is a really important question to consider because Farhan Zaidi has talked about wanting a recruiter in the Giants manager job in the dugout, wanting someone who can help him go acquire these free agents, who can help sell players on coming to San Francisco. I think there are a few different qualities that this person absolutely needs to have, regardless of whether they go internal or they go external. One, I think they've got to be incredibly charismatic. And I know that that may not sound like a really important thing for a manager to have. Like, look, don't you want someone who can manage a bullpen? Don't you want someone who pulls the right levers with players? Yeah, you want all of that. But you need someone who's charismatic because you need someone who can connect with a fan base that feels as though it's lost connection with this team. You need someone who can connect with star players like a Bruce Bochy was able to do, like a Dusty Baker is able to do in Houston, like a Felipe Alou. Look, I know that Felipe Alou wasn't the most beloved manager in Giants history, but I really did think that Felipe was in control. He was in command. He respected authority and people believed him when he talked. And so I think that that's an important thing. I think that Gabe Kapler, who, as I've said before, I don't think he did a bad job. I don't think that he merited the firing that, you know, was ultimately the decision that Farhan Zaidi and Greg Johnson made for the San Francisco Giants. I think that there are bigger problems with the organization than Gabe Kapler's managing style, but I do think that if the Giants are going to have someone replacing him and they've made the decision that they are, you need someone who's charismatic, who can connect with fans, connect with players on a level that, look, this person is doing two media sessions a day, 162 games a season where they're on the radio, they're on camera. You are connecting with fans through word of mouth. You are the face of the organization, the face that they show in the dugout. Anytime something goes wrong, you need someone who's trustworthy, who can talk about decisions made after the game, who can explain philosophy, explain strategy, and do it in a way that connects with diehard fans. So I think you need someone who's really trustworthy on that level. I think that you need someone who Giants fans are going to buy into their words in a way that maybe wasn't the case under Gabe Kapler. Another thing that I think that the Giants should really prioritize Someone who's got a track record of developing players at the major league level, or at least a track record of working with coaches who have developed players at the major league level. What I mean by that, I've talked about this a lot. The Giants' success is going to hinge 
on the prospects that come through this organization. They can make the external additions. They need to make the external additions. But for this team to be good and to be a postseason team the next few years, it can't just be external. It has to be internal improvements. And so I talked about this in a recent YouTube short about Ron Wotus and what he did to help facilitate the development of Pablo Sandoval, Brandon Crawford, Joe Panic, and Brandon Belt at the major league level. The Giants had a star-studded homegrown infield because Ron Wotus worked with that group on a daily basis. And you can say the same thing about the way that Kai Correa has worked with the Giants infield over the last few seasons. J.D. Davis got demonstrably better. Tyro Estrada was the best second baseman, according to outs above average, in Major League Baseball. Lamont Wade Jr. went from being an outfielder who'd never really played first base in the minor leagues to being an above average first baseman. You need someone who can facilitate development at the major league level. And it can't just be on the defensive side of the ball. It has to be on the offensive side of the ball. It has to be for pitchers being able to throw deeper into games if you're starters, being able to take on higher leverage innings if you're relievers. You need someone who can help coach up these young players. And it's not just, you know, uh, Camilo Doval taking the next step in his closer role, even though he was already an all-star, being more consistent, being more dependable, being more mature. It's Patrick Bailey making fewer errors and being able to focus from both sides of the plate and making sure that he's not, you know, declining in terms of his batting average, in terms of his power production during the second half of the season. It's, you know, making sure that Luis Matos is refocused after he's missing a fly ball in the outfield, which happened a few times this season. It's making sure that Tyler Fitzgerald has the freedom to run the bases, the way that enables him to take advantage of the athleticism the Giants need from him and has been so clearly lacking from this organization. So I think player development is incredibly important. I think charisma is incredibly important for this Giants team. I think that you just need someone who is going to galvanize players in a way and hold players accountable in a way that maybe hasn't been the case over the last few seasons in San Francisco. I think that there's a lot of merit in a manager letting players dictate the tone of the clubhouse. And Gabe Kapler certainly let this happen when Buster Posey was in the dugout, when Buster Posey was catching for the San Francisco Giants. There was someone there to hold people accountable, but I think you may need someone who's a little harder, a little more firm, a little more, you know, of an authority figure, someone who is willing to lay down the law in a little more of a way than maybe Gabe Kapler was in San Francisco and maybe like Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker have been throughout their careers. And so looking for someone who commands respect, commands authority the moment they walk into a room, I think that that's really important for the San Francisco Giants. And so let's move on to some of the candidates that I think that they're going to look at for this position. Ultimately, I saw this the other day. The Cleveland Guardians, after Terry Francona retired, they indicated to media members that they were looking at 45 to 50 candidates on their initial list. So there is no way I'm going to be able to talk about every single candidate the Giants will consider. No way I'll probably be able to talk about every single candidate that the Giants interview for the job of manager in San Francisco. However, I will say this. There are a number of names that we can surmise are probably likely to get an interview, probably likely. Let's just use the word likely, uh, nevertheless. Uh, so who are they on the internal side? I already talked about Ron Wotus a little bit. I think that it makes sense if you're looking for someone who has one year of, you know, just willing to take a manager job because they want to see what they can do at the major league level and you want to feel out Farhan Zaidi and what he's capable of doing and turning around this franchise because he's entering the final year of his contract. I think that Ron Wotus is a great stopgap for the San Francisco Giants and someone who could ultimately be the manager for the next five seasons if things go well in 2024. Talked about the way that he facilitated development at the major league level with that homegrown core in 2010, 2012, and 2014. 
think that he has the respect of people in the organization at the highest levels. Ownership really likes Ron Wotus. The front office, Farhan Zaidi, clearly likes him because he kept him on staff after Wotus decided to leave coaching, after Wotus was ultimately, you know, kind of in no man's land after Bruce Bochy decided to retire. They kept Wotus, and I think that he ultimately did a great job in helping bring in the young staff of coaches the Giants had in 2020, 2021. I think he played a pivotal role there. If you're looking at someone who can help with the external additions, the internal additions, and someone who's got the built-in level of trust with longtime Giants fans, I mean, we're talking about someone who worked for Dusty Baker, Felipe Alou, Bruce Bochy, Gabe Kapler, and then could be working for himself in the next job. I think there's some credibility there. And so he's not the only internal candidate I think the Giants will look at. I think you look at other people who could ultimately get an interview or could ultimately be on the radar for a job. I think you look at Giants bench coach Kai Correa, and maybe he's too close to Gabe Kapler. Maybe Farhan Zaidi doesn't want to take the risk in hiring someone whose only jobs at the major league level have been with the Cleveland Guardians and the San Francisco Giants. Correa is still relatively young to be a coach at the major league level, but I think that one of the things that Kai Correa has done extremely well over the last few seasons in San Francisco, aside from running a great spring training, I saw it incredibly organized, incredibly detail-oriented on an annual basis. He just did a great job picking up where Ron Wotus left off in that regard, is helping players develop at the major league level. Look, there are a lot of faults that you can take with the Giants coaching staff from 2022 and 2023. You can say the hitting coaches, Justin Veely, Dustin Lynn, they did not have the guys prepared during the second half of the season to succeed. You can look at the outfield and you can say, man, the outfield defense was lacking. There were oftentimes guys throwing to wrong bases. You can look at the base running and you can say, the Giants rarely took extra bases when they needed to. The Giants never stole. And a lot of that is a product of roster construction. A lot of that is the fact that Farhan Zaidi did not give Gabe Kapler and his staff players who were capable of stealing bases. But you look at where the Giants improved the most over the last few seasons, you look at what Kai Correa was responsible for, it's in the infield. The one thing that you can say the Giants got better at this year was their infield defense. You look at J.D. Davis at third base, and he did a sensational job getting better and being a solid everyday defender. Talked about Tyro Estrada and Lamont Wade Jr. Kai Correa worked with those guys every single day. Marco Luciano, when he came up to the major league level, Casey Schmidt, when he came up to the major league level, they were making noticeable strides at shortstop because of the work that Kai Correa put in with them. And so if there's anyone from Gabe Kapler's staff that I think you can trust with facilitating the development of young players at the major league level, I think Kai Correa is that guy. Does he get an interview? I don't know. Does he get the job? I doubt it because he's probably too close to Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi probably wants to go in a different direction if the Giants are really thinking about you know, the future of the franchise and winning back fans and doing it in a way that's not synonymous with Gabe Kapler. But I will say, Kai Correa deserves a good long look at a high-level job at the major league level because of what he did during his four years under Gabe Kapler in San Francisco. I think that he is the one coach who you can say every single year he made a material impact on what the Giants did. Now, another internal candidate and someone who's getting some buzz because of his relationship with Buster Posey is Mark Hallberg, who was Posey's roommate at Florida State, worked with Posey, has that relationship. You know that Posey at the ownership level is going to have some influence, have some sway in who the Giants ultimately hire as their next manager. Mark Hallberg went from being an assistant coach to ultimately replacing Ron Wotus as the third base coach for the San Francisco Giants. I think 
If you're looking into evaluating how he did as the third base coach and evaluating whether he would be a good manager at the major league level, it's just simply, there's not a one-to-one correlation there. Like we can't say, hey, he really developed guys running from second to home. No, he's just making judgment calls in the moment. And I don't think that's indicative of the type of manager that he will be. And he's got this relationship with Buster Posey. They clearly trust each other. Everyone who talks about Mark Hallberg says that he's incredibly smart, says that he's got a, you know, he's able to take in a wide variety of perspectives, sees the game through a different lens. I think that that's all great. But if you're looking at someone internally who the Giants want to hire, who I think would help build that connection with Giants fans, look, I was around the Giants organization. I was around Hallberg for a few years. Yeah, was he comfortable? Was he amenable to reporters? Was he seemingly always in conversation with players? Sure. But I think that Ron Wotus and Kai Correa both have more charisma. I think that it's easier to hear them talk about the team, hear them talk about decisions, hear them talk about strategy, and as a fan, as a writer, as a reporter, understand where they're going with things. You know, you've heard Wotus for years on Talking Baseball with Marty Lurie, and Wotus has done a sensational job breaking down the game. I think the final three days of the season when Kai Correa was put into the unfortunate position of having to, you know, take over for Gabe Kapler in kind of a no-win situation, he did a really good job at breaking down where the Giants were, where they needed to be on a day-in, day-out basis for those final three games against the Dodgers. And he told a tremendous story about Brandon Crawford and how, you know, back in 2015, Crawford was... Uh, you know, looking at Joe Kelly, or excuse me, uh, not back in 2015, but I think it was 2021 or 2022 when Joe Kelly of the Dodgers came up for a plate appearance and Crawford knew his uh, spray chart as a reliever hitting because back in 2015, he'd hit against the Giants. And so it's just little details like that that I think help translate the game to a fan base that wants the game to be explain to them in a way that they can digest, in a way that they can accept, in a way that they can ultimately learn about the game, learn about the way that the Giants are going about the game in a way that gets them excited. And so I don't know that Mark Hallberg has those qualities yet, but maybe putting him in a bench coach position could work for the Giants. The other name that I've heard floated internally inside the Giants organization, this is a really interesting one, is Kyle Haynes, the Giants farm director, who's done a really good job over the last few seasons of getting Giants prospects to the major league level, of communicating with Giants prospects and communicating the organization's goals for them. I don't know that the transition from farm director to uh, Giants manager would be seamless. It actually seems to me like that's a pretty tough transition to go from working solely with prospects to then working with a ton of veteran major leaguers. And you hope that the Giants do have veterans that they bring in from the outside next season. But I think that anytime I've talked to Kyle Haynes, he's someone who's incredibly positive. He's got the charisma. He's someone who I think all the kids coming through the organization look up to as a leader. And so maybe he, like Mark Hallberg, would be a good fit as a bench coach in the future. I just don't know that the manager job seems as natural of a fit just yet. And that's not to say that Kyle Haynes won't be a manager in the future, whether it be with the Giants or another organization. But I do think that there is a role for him in this next iteration of the Giants dugout. Maybe the Giants want to go in a different direction at the farm director level. I don't know. But I do think that Kyle Haynes is someone who's got incredibly widespread support throughout the organization based on what he's done. And a lot of people in the industry really like the job that he's done in San Francisco with this farm director position that he's held, you know, bridging the gap from the Bobby Evans era to the Farhan Zaidi era. Remember, that was uh, someone who they kept on when Farhan uh, took over in San Francisco. So uh, let's look at some of the external uh, candidates that the Giants could take a look at. And I think that this is the really hard part for me because 
It's just so tough to scour 29 other staffs across Major League Baseball and really to look into the minor league level and say, who's someone who could be a successful manager in San Francisco without having interacted with them, without knowing them, without knowing how they prioritize different things at the major league level, which is why I'll keep this list that I'm going to bring up relatively short. Know that, you know, as soon as the Giants do have external interviews and as soon as we know some of those candidates, I will talk about what I know about them, what I've learned about them in research, and we'll do future episodes of the Kerry Crowley Show, whether it be on YouTube or Spotify, about those candidates. But let's just talk about a handful right now. And the very first one is someone who I brought up on my emergency podcast right after Gabe Kapler was fired. The first name that I threw out as someone who I think could be a successful manager of the San Francisco Giants from the outside is Stephen Vogt. And this is someone who's been widely floated as a name. I think Susan Slusser of the Chronicle, Grant Brisby of The Athletic, they've both talked about Stephen Vogt, what he could bring to the job. And anyone who has listened to Stephen Vogt talk about baseball knows that he brings the charisma. Anyone who has watched Stephen Vogt play baseball knows that he brings the care, the passion for the game. Uh, I think a deep, deep understanding of the game and how it's won in the year 2023. I go back to 2018 or 2019, maybe it was, when Stephen Vogt was catching for the San Francisco Giants, backing up Buster Posey, and having the opportunity to play for the team that he grew up rooting for. Remember, this is a kid who was a Giants fan. In fact, Grant Brisby did point this out. Stephen Vogt was a Marvin Bernard fan. And uh, look, as a six, seven-year-old watching the San Francisco Giants, I was one of the first Marvin Bernard haters. I couldn't take the guy in center field. I thought, we've got to have someone better than Marvin Bernard. But Stephen Vogt was a Marvin Bernard fan, which tells you how diehard he was uh, into the San Francisco Giants. You really have to love the Giants to have loved the way that Marvin Bernard played. And I say all this knowing that, you know, I've had some good conversations with Bernard in his post-playing days, really enjoyed talking to him. But nevertheless, uh, Stephen Vogt, someone who back in 2019, he explained to me the way you win baseball games is through slugging the ball. Because in the year 2019, and this is still true in 2023, one of the hardest things to do in Major League Baseball is how the Giants were trying to score runs this season, and that is string hits together. You think about how batting average has plummeted through Major League Baseball over the last decade or so. You think about how few hits there are, how few singles there are, how even with Major League Baseball trying to facilitate more movement on the base pass this year, the Giants simply didn't catch up. They didn't have the athleticism. So he said one of the hardest things to do is string three singles together to score a run. And even when you do that, you're only scoring one run. So you win through slugging the ball. You win through power output, and you win through running the bases extremely well. And he knew that as the backup catcher in 2019. He's now moved on to a coaching role with the Seattle Mariners. There was no doubt in anyone's mind that when Stephen Vogt ultimately hung up the cleats and became a coach one day, that he would seamlessly slide into the dugout as a manager. Even then, as a first-year member of the San Francisco Giants, he was taking rookies out and going shopping with them. I think Mark Sanchez, former Giants beat reporter for KMBR, did a tremendous profile on the work that Vogt put in behind the scenes to prepare the Giants and to prepare their rookies for life at the major league level. And I think that that is one of the most important facets of Vogt's potential managerial candidacy is this is someone who just at a core level gets it. He gets what it means to be a Giant. He gets what it means to be a rookie transitioning to the major league level. He gets what it means to be a bench player because he often came off the bench through his career. And he gets what it means to make the most of your opportunity and to stick at the major league level. Because did Stephen Vogt ever have the most talent? No. But through hard work, through dedication, he's someone who got there. And you look at Gabe Kapler and the way that he managed the San Francisco Giants. You look at Gabe Kapler's career. Gabe Kapler was able to relate 
the platoon outfielders. I think that he was able to relate to someone like Austin Slater because Gabe Kapler 20 years ago was Austin Slater. He was brought in as a defensive replacement, a center fielder who could play all three outfield positions, and someone who was most, for the most part, hitting lefties off the bench. You look at Stephen Vogt. You look at the diversity of experiences he had at the major league level. He was an all-star. He was a catcher, so he was responsible for preparing the pitching staff. He was, at one point, you know, a, a rookie. He was, at one point, someone who was on their last legs in the game trying to recover from a serious injury, trying to get back to the major leagues and trying to fight his way back, and he did that successfully with the San Francisco Giants. Just the diversity of experiences that he had at the major league level as a player, I think that it allows him to relate to so many different people. So while Gabe was able to relate to the platoon players and say, this is how you embrace your role. And that's why I think that the Giants had so much success with their platoons through the years is because Gabe was that guy. Look, even if we don't like platoons, even if I wanted to see nine everyday players out there, the platoons at many junctures in the Giants' tenure worked. And I think that if you're Stephen Vogt, you're able to help players at the catcher position. You're able to help rookies. You're able to help rehabbing injured players. You're able to help the all-stars because at one point you were all of those things. And so that's one of the reasons I really like his candidacy. A few other guys, Henry Shulman, my old friend, San Francisco Chronicle, a former beat reporter of the Giants, covered the team for, what, 30 years. He floated Nick Hunley's name and Nick Hunley working in the league office. I think someone who should absolutely get an interview in San Francisco, like Stephen Vogt, former catcher, played all around the National League West, knows the division really well, really cerebral guy, really relatable guy, charismatic, funny, energetic, but at the end of the day, a very serious guy. And one thing I'll say about Nick Hunley when he was a member of the Giants, and this is perhaps more true of him than it was of Stephen Vogt, Nick Hunley hated losing. And I talked about this with regard to Logan Webb on recent episodes. Logan Webb was someone who I think that he hates losing more than he loves winning. He wants to build that winning culture through despising losing. And maybe Madison Bumgarner, Madison Bumgarner loved winning so much, but losing uh, didn't have the same impact on him as say it had on a Logan Webb or a Buster Posey. Nick Hunley hated losing. And so I just remember going to the clubhouse in what, 2017, 2018, it wore on him the way that the Giants lost and the close games and letting leads slip away late. And if you have that level of intensity in the manager job, I think that you're set up for success. I think that as a catcher, you can relate to every player on the roster. And so someone whose candidacy I would absolutely endorse. Then there's a, another candidate, and this is someone who I don't know would take the Giants job because right now it's looking like just a one-year job, and then you find out whether Farhan Zaidi stays or goes, you face an uncertain future. But Mark DeRosa, and I talked about this on a recent episode, and someone left a comment for me on YouTube. Mark DeRosa, you think he would energize the fan base? What a joke you are. Uh, your, your show's stupid. And look, I, I deal with those comments all the time. I've dealt with it on KMBR for years. Uh, I know that I'm not for everyone. And if you're listening deep into this podcast, I really appreciate you doing so because there are a lot of people who probably tuned out by now. But this person said, uh, do not sell us on Mark DeRosa in San Francisco. And then I got a tweet from someone who said, please talk about Mark DeRosa. I think he would be a great manager in San Francisco. So it's great. We've already got the DeRosa Wars. Are they the Belt Wars yet? No. But the Mark DeRosa candidacy or potential candidacy is already sparking some interest and intrigue in San Francisco. Bring his name up because, look, he's a former Giant. Did he have the best career? No. But did Nick Hunley, did Stephen vote? No, it's typically not the best players who make the best managers. DeRosa was the manager for Team USA. And one thing that I will say about that, 
he is able to relate to stars. He's able to talk to stars about their role, and he was able to get players to buy in on Team USA on what role that they could have. And I think that that job in particular during the World Baseball Classic really prepares you for the challenges of managing stars and managing a wide variety of players on a roster. He was able to get Tim Anderson to accept moving to second base. He was able to get guys hitting up and down the lineup, pitchers accepting their limitations during spring training, knowing that they ultimately had to go back to their teams to perform and there were bigger, bigger goals at play while still trying to win a gold medal for your country. And so I think that that experience that Mark DeRosa had, his experience in the media, being able to break the game down to fans in an entertaining and compelling way, I think that you could do a whole lot worse than Mark DeRosa. Am I saying that he's the number one candidate and he would energize Giants fans? No. But what I am saying is I think that if Farhan Zaidi wants a recruiter, someone who knows players all around the league and can get really good reports on who would fit in his clubhouse and his culture, Mark DeRosa probably has a deeper contact list because of his Team USA experience than just about anyone else that the Giants could interview for this job. And so uh, I go to that YouTube commenter. Is he going to energize the fan base? Do you want someone better? Uh, Is he going to energize? I don't know. Do you want someone better? Maybe. But you could do a whole lot worse than Mark DeRosa. So uh, those are just six or seven candidates I was looking at. Uh, Ron Wotus, Kai Correa, Mark Hallberg, maybe the Giants will interview catching coach Craig Albernez, Kyle Haynes, the farm director, outside the organization, Stephen Vogt, Nick Hunley, uh, Mark DeRosa. Another name that I do want to throw out there, though, Donnie Ecker, of course, had a ton of success in 2021 as the Giants hitting coach, really started to change the Giants hitting approach back in 2020. Bay Area guy, I think it was Los Gatos or Los Altos High, uh, someone who really sees the game through an interesting lens. If you haven't had the opportunity, uh, search it online. There's an interview that Bill Lasky of KNBR did uh, on Extra Innings this year, talking to Donnie Ecker before the Giants played the Rangers. You learn a lot about Ecker's hitting philosophy. And I know from being in that clubhouse, Giants players loved interacting with Donnie Ecker, and they really took to his instruction. You look at 2021, a historic offensive season for the San Francisco Giants, and someone who has now had the opportunity to work under Bruce Bochy in Texas, and someone who has now had the opportunity to see Bruce Bochy win playoff games. Again, is Donnie Ecker the candidate the Giants should absolutely be pursuing? Maybe, maybe not. Should they absolutely interview him? 100%. The guy should get a call and have the opportunity to come in and at least interview for the job with the hometown team. And so just to look at where things stand right now with the manager search, is it as good of a job as I think it once was? No. But keep in mind, there were only 30 manager jobs in Major League Baseball. Will the Giants get the best candidate this year? No, I think that the best candidates will likely look at the Mets job and maybe even the Guardians job as more attractive. Now, if someone who they really want goes to the Angels, I think that that'd be a terrible sign for the San Francisco Giants. And you kind of hope that Craig Council doesn't leave Milwaukee because if he does, he's probably going to the Mets. And I would say the Brewers job right now is better than the Giants job because there's more stability involved in Milwaukee. But all of that is to say, the Giants need a charismatic leader. They need someone who understands this fan base and understands development at the major league level with a wide variety of players and understands the game in a way that you can break it down both to players and fans, be compelling, be entertaining, and someone who fans will really enjoy and appreciate as the face of the franchise. I think that that is the first step toward building back uh, the San Francisco Giants. Look, started the episode by saying this, I'll end the episode by saying this. Giants have a long way to go. Changing the manager is not the only thing that this team 
will do this offseason if it wants to succeed in 2024. They have to change the philosophy in the front office. Ownership needs to commit to winning at all costs as opposed to being more of a real estate company than a baseball franchise. And I think that ownership needs to really focus on getting back to the postseason and winning in the postseason. Because again, 2014, the World Series against the Kansas City Royals was the last time the Giants won a playoff series. Look at that roster. Think about some of those players from that roster. Think about where they are now. Yeah, it'll make you feel old. It'll make you feel like it has been a long time, and it should. It has been a drought for the Giants. That drought has to end. And the first step, look, it's not a big step, but the first step toward helping it end is finding a manager who can successfully navigate this team through the challenges. And there will undoubtedly be many in the 2024 season. So that's it for today on the Kerry Crowley Show. I want to thank everyone who's listened to this episode, to any of my shows thus far. Uh, over the weekend or next week, what I want to do is do little candidate profiles. I've already got one out on Ron Wotus and what he would bring to the Giants manager job. I want to do a few more for internal candidates, a few more for external candidates as we start to hear about those. Those will only appear on YouTube. I'll do my longer episodes of this podcast on Spotify, also on YouTube, but I'm going to do little candidate profiles on YouTube. As, as I said, Ron Wotus is out. We'll probably do one on Kai Correa, Donnie Ecker, Mark DeRosa, what they would bring to the job. And so uh, if there are any candidates you want to hear broken down, shoot me an email, kocrowley at gmail.com. Send me a tweet, ko underscore Crowley. Cannot wait to continue talking Giants baseball with you as a manager search unfolds. It is fascinating. It is important that the Giants get this right. And we should know more the next time we talk. Thanks so much for listening.